You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. from the middle chamber we decided to have this collaborative conversation we we have so much to talk about not not even really enough time to go into everything you and i are both so pressed for time i know it was hard to get to this place where we could have a conversation but uh, we've we managed to pull it off so how, how are you today oh man i'm doing great you know this is a like you say a collaborative conversation this is really what it's about is you know i mean i'm not uh I'm not doing the work I do to stroke my own ego. I could do that much, uh, much more easily, you know, not not releasing every single thing that I do. But these conversations are extremely important. This is, well, what this is is this is a, a a series of experiments that we're we're able to collaborate on and then compare notes and put them up for peer review. And uh, in that way, this is a science, and and the science, the only way that it can move forward is by uh, people having these conversations and sharing their research notes and uh, and refining the whole method this is this is the first stage that that, that really this is the, this is the next stage that leads into this stuff being taught in school and that's that's what we need is we need we need these things to no longer be a cult we need them to be open available and and studied and, and really used for the benefit of all of humanity Oh, totally agreed. And in the spirit of the recent release from Become a Living God, the second volume of this massive undertaking that you and Timothy have engaged in with the uh, anthology of sorcery series now, uh, this is exciting because it kind of, in that same spirit of collaboration, because there was 20-odd, what, 21 different magical practitioners and master adepts involved in this project, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, and it, it was really cool to... to look through all of the articles and all of the, the artwork and everything that came in because these, 
this isn't this isn't what some people's ideas about magic are. These are experiences. These are the modern prophets and sages and seers of our time that that have had real one-on-one experience with spirits and with power and with different systems that are putting their findings and 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 really the revelations that have come to them and putting it out there for everybody to to be able to to look at and hopefully repeat and find their own connections within these systems. Like you said, it starts with uh, you know examining, identifying, and examining the material, educating yourself, and then you move into practical application and 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 find results, what works, and so. This is what has gone into this project. Everybody involved has handled material that has been commonly taboo throughout the ages, you know. And it all sort of begins with this this time in antiquity that where we had this you know wholesale usurpation of truth and suppression of the mystery traditions and the what is considered the dark arts or the forbidden the forbidden arts and forbidden knowledge. And and this is, a, a whole taboo structure is set up, a morality play, if you will, to control awareness, to keep awareness away from systems of empowerment, systems of self-empowerment, of uh, systems in which a person can reintegrate different aspects, elemental forces within their own psyche and within their own persona, within their own, their own being, if you will, and, and bring them back on board in, a, in an order that's accord with, with their will, with their I- intentions, what they want to accomplish in life. And this is what I, I think is really exciting about Become a Living God, in the whole series, and I was really excited to get involved because of that, and because my own story kind of, kind of complements that feeling exactly, and 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 this is why, uh, because my mission is all about trying to bring the, these ways of liberation from across the board back into people's awareness. I'm not particularly. Uh, my agenda is only to bring to I challenge people you know find out for yourself don't believe me don't believe Eric here don't believe what we're saying find out for yourself but we're reporting to you the experiences we've had and the experiences of our of our associates and other people around us who have reported this back to us that these are results that we get and 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 the I'm right now getting ready to go down to Austin Texas to this conference uh, the the back to the future conference and it's uh going to be kind of an interesting experience for me because it's the first time I'll be going into a re- an arena or into a forum of speakers and thinkers that are very bibliocentric it's very much uh looking at bible prophecy end day prophecy and apocalyptic materials now I have a forte here because I've been doing a lot of research into the Nephilim and into the the Watchers, the Book of Enoch, and all the extra biblical materials, especially the Dead Sea Scroll Library and the Nag Hammadi Library, which these these are essential books to anybody who is in fact interested in this same bibliocentric approach to reality. And to a degree, anybody in the West has to have some sort of dog in the fight, if you will, quote unquote, because we're all exposed to it in one way or the other, whether you're exposed to a family that, that was very, very, very Christian or was actually not Christian, you know, was more scientific and logical, but that's even a response. So, you know, the Satanist is a response to the bibliocentric as much as the Christian. It's still bibliocentric because you're, you're, you're taking a side per se on this, this matter. And I'm sure you can relate to that as well in your own experience, right? Growing up in the households where people had the same Western Christian outlook, right? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I've actually had a few people comment that that have looked into you know my background of being uh, raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, where the goal is is to be one day become like unto God, and and for them one day means uh, you know sometime aeons in the future in in some celestial realm, but uh, but they look at that and go, well, you know, it looks like your work is is influenced pretty heavily by this. Well, yeah, that's how I grew up. Um, you know, it's it's if you if you're living in the Western world, you are influenced and affected by the the really the Abrahamic religions, which unfortunately have have they've not been the uplifting spiritual uh, source that that they could have been. Instead, they've been a, a divisive and a controlling and a destructive force on this earth. And so, uh, I, I think it's time that we start uh, kind of exposing that. I, you know, so some of the <laughs> Some of the most uh, most hateful people out there can be Christians. However, that some of the most enlightened and and peaceful people I've known have also been Christians or have been heavily influenced by that Christian paradigm. So so this is so like you say it's 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 all encompassing almost in our in our social paradigm that it would be it would be foolish of us to to ignore it as if it didn't exist because it does and it it it, it has a I mean, look in the United States and, and the fact that, uh, that the laws in, in just about every state are being written by Christians and are supporting biblical views, um, not necessarily based in science or, or rationalism at all, but, but based in theology. Uh, we, we should know as much as we can about that theology, uh, about what its precepts are, and, and I mean, some of, the, some of the teachings are absolutely invaluable. Some of them are are disgusting, and we need to make that separation and and start to really tailor our society in a, in a much better way. As you so uh, aptly pointed out, at the core of the the Mormon teaching, the Church of Latter Day Saints, uh, this this is a form of of apotheosis, and it is exactly what you're also recognizing as the ideal. What you're offering in your particular in the vocation that you've taken up you and timothy your partner uh over there at become a living god you gentlemen have taken up this this cause it seems from my perspective to help individuals in a very a very self-actualized almost anarchistic way because there's no hierarchy involved in this no order to join no guru or master to subordinate yourself to all comers are welcome and you have access to material that creates a path for your own personal apotheosis and it's because ladies and gentlemen in all the religions especially here in the west our christian religions which are prominent but there's also judaism and but that's of course you know bibliocentric as well and islam is bibliocentric as well uh, you know, but frankly, there is an undercurrent, a mystical wisdom tradition that has coexisted with all religions of humanity from the beginning. And most religions are based on a native shamanistic-like tradition, in fact, at their core, which means that somebody who was a seer, who was sensitive to spirits in the spirit realm, was making contact with elemental forces, was gaining enlightenment, insight, and knowledge and wisdom, and then communicated it to the others. And they got excited, and they were like, "Show us how you did that!" And then, and, and then everybody gathered around him, and a, and pretty soon a, a religion is formed. Before you know it, even if the guy in the middle who started it was like, "Wait a second, that's not exactly what I was talking about," but nobody's listening anymore. <laughs> now, yeah, it's a, right. now it's a religion, right? <laughs> no, you know, you know, the funny thing is, is that I, I, I spent 
spent a good deal of my life just absolutely despising anything scriptural. And it was only recently, like like within the past few months recently, that I've really started to see the genius within within most canon texts. That okay, so 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 look at this, and and, and this is what this is what I came to in working with Loki from the uh, from the Teutonic and uh, Norse system. Um, you know, Loki, his his main crime, and the, the only crime that they actually uh, ever punished him for was not killing Balder, Odin's son. Well, it wasn't it wasn't taking Thor's hammer or taking the wings from Freya. It, it was uh, it was simply calling the gods out on their own misdeeds. He he basically came into this meeting, went around the room, and says, "Look, you uh, you did this, you did this, you're this, you're this," and called people out on their own sins, called the gods out on their own sins. Then you look at the um, at, at the biblical text, and, and basically that's what uh, Satan is known as the accuser, and uh, and that's what he does. He's the accuser of man and God. He points out the flaws that, that that anybody has, and he doesn't stop with just you know monkey men. He goes to the prophets and and to the gods and points out their flaws. You look at uh, you know Ariman did the same thing from the very beginning of creation. Was able to point out Ahura Mazda's inabilities because of his flaws. This is what the uh, – it's not a demonization necessarily that's taking place in the scriptures, but it's a very clear message. The gods are not worthy of your worship, and the devils don't want it. And so wh- where, are you, where are you left with besides you know, becoming your own god, that, 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 that you have to create your own path, you have to follow your own path, and, and stay true to your own inner compass, not, not what – you hear so often, well, the Bible says so. Well, the Bible says a lot of things. Are you out there stoning? You know, you'd, you'd, you'd have to stone every person in your family, including yourself, if you're living by the Bible. <laughs> and, you know, of course, there is no denying the darker aspects to the content of many of the contributors, for example, to the anthology, and also to becomealivinggod.com in general. But from my perspective, in, as an outsider, somebody who's become upon your material and your systems and gotten really excited about what you're doing over there, it seems to me like the guiding principle of the collection that I chose to get involved with, the volume two of the, the anthology of sorcery, is a cavalier attitude, once again, towards, towards morality, in a sense, flaunting convention, because morality is at the core of these coercive mind control programs, like Christianity, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, a, a system that was designed to enslave the populace to render all things to caesar and that's what we're talking about and so this flaunting a convention in a spirit of anarchy again defying the norms of hierarchy and control through incremental disbursement of knowledge through the master guru systems and at the same time well like i personally don't literally i don't describe i don't subscribe to the literal black magic quote-unquote black magic approach i do understand left-hand path process i do understand the approach and 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 i do personally incorporate key aspects and ideals derived and formulated with a left hand as well as a right hand context involved because it really is a blending a finding of a balance and and for me it's an a la carte thing you know i take from different things that work for me and leave the things that don't behind and there's no recourse from that but this is a self-starting self-actualizing approach with much more intuitive and traditional approaches you know it's 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 more a traditional because the traditional ceremonial magic and other aspects have have rules that are fixed and and adhere to that moral 
duality that we're kind of alluding to already but whereas the more that's why we've you and i have talked before about how there are even though you don't personally i think i don't you don't personally uh get on board with the with the mainstream chaos magical approach but there are aspects of chaos magic which which kind of resonate with your approach though wouldn't you say there's there are general aspects Oh yeah, yeah. You know, chaos magic is the whole idea. You know, nothing is real; everything is permissible. That that if you uh, if you take a piece of clay or mud and, and build it into a, a figure, and then you begin to worship it as a god, pretty soon you're going to be able to ask that god to do things for you, and it's going to happen. Um, you know, it's all all of these all of these beings, these gods and spirits. They're, they're anthropomorphized forces of nature, and uh, because we've given them a body and a mouth, we can then communicate with them. The, 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 these are all symbols that we're working through, and uh, and they're very very useful. Whether they're literally real or not it, it is is really the hot hot topic of debate. Um, and and you know I'd say they're they're real. They're just as real as any of the forces of nature, like gravity that we have around us. But uh, but we've simply symbolized them in a way that we can then communicate with them. As far as the lack of of it, or, or the uh, really disregard for for morals, you know, it's it's a funny thing because um, that there is, I mean, morals. You know, what is that? That, that? That's that's basically a code of conduct that comes from somebody else. Uh, what what the the black magician really delights in is is the discovery and then the adherence to his own ethics. That you know, we we can see for ourselves what is is good and bad. Crowley once said that. Uh, um, the, the, if you're wearing, if you're wearing some sort of you know uh, pressurized uh, thermal suit in the uh, Arctic, that, that that's probably uh, appropriate and therefore is good. It would be evil to wear that same suit in the Sahara, and uh, and so you know it's it's a matter of finding out for yourself what's going to be most beneficial for you, and and a lot of people say, oh, it's all about just being selfish. Well, everything's about being selfish. Don't kid yourself. Yeah, it is about being selfish, but it's about being selfish to the highest degree where, you know, I realize that I live in this community. And so because I live in this community, because I want to have a, a, an enjoyable time here and make the best of, of my life, I contribute to my community. I, I, I mean, I'll, I am I'm involved in community service projects. I'm involved in, in making this small town as good as I can possibly manage. Not because I, I, I'm just an altruistic guy, but because, I mean, I live here. And so everything that we do is motivated by selfish desires and a, a selfish outcome. That's not bad. I mean, this is, this is kind of the, you know, the core of a lot of uh, Ayn Rand's teachings. Her philosophies was based on, on the fact that there is no real selfish or unselfish behavior, that, this, the, that we're always motivated by, by self-service. And so, yeah, your, your ethics are going to guide you towards the best life and whether that's uh, you know not partaking in, in certain substances because they destroy your body then and, and your mind you're, you're gonna do that but not because somebody else told you to but because you have seen the evidence and you want to steer clear you know if that's if that's being uh, committed in relationships you've seen that makes your relationships better not because there's some oath that you took but because that's that's how you want to live your life uh, you know as I was interviewing um, uh, S. Ben Kayan, who's a uh, uh, an author for uh, author and consultant, and and I mean definite definite uh, beloved partner at to become a living God, and uh, 
you know, we, we start talking about curses, and this guy looks like the, I mean, he looks like a e- most evil dude out there. Um, I mean, he's shockingly evil looking. But, uh, you know, he starts warning against curses, and he's like, you know, I wouldn't do that unless it really was a matter of life and death, because that's just not the kind of energy I want to carry in my life. I thought, wow, this is a, this is a guy who, who, you know, you could easily look at, and you could easily look at his works and say, this is an evil, evil dude. But at the, at the core of it, he's saying, you know, don't hurt people. And it's like, wow, that's a, that's a alarming to come from such a, a figure. Surprisingly enlightened stance, which just supports what we're trying to say here as far as true left-hand path. Uh, I've heard people go both ways in their in – their, they say, you know, I've researched a left-hand path and it goes back to the Hindus and, and this is this and that. And they have all these either positive or negative things to say about left-hand path approach. But what we need to realize, and for me personally, the Eastern ways of liberation were helpful to break away from the rigid, limiting structure of Western outlook. Because solely Western outlook, without the balance of Eastern ways of liberation and uh, thought, uh, uh, philosophy, for example, uh, these things, they help to sort of meter that, that, that control paradigm, which is so self-limiting within the Western context, and the, the morality, the compass of the of our Western culture, is uh, a destructive force for the sacred. It literally hobbles the psyche. <laughs> That's what happens. It hobbles, the, it calcifies all the receptors within you that could possibly connect, except on the most limited and narrow bandwidth of... of uh, of, of connection, of realization. And that's really at the core. You said it several times when you were speaking. You mentioned how you realized this. You realized you lived in a community that you wanted to see supported, right? You realized that you have, you know, interests that are better served if you're moving with the flow of society. And yet at the same time, you knew personally that you had not, uh, you know, that, that the core of this, it is a self-interest. Of course it is. Of course it is self-interest in the sense that we have a, a survival instinct that goes along with our, uh, our aspirations. We have aspirations besides just existing and just surviving. You know, we want to accomplish greater goals. Some of us, some people actually uh, aspire to excellence and aspire to overachievement, you know, and they, these things can't be accomplished with a mediocre slave-like output or outlook to reality or approach, you know, and I, I say that it's, they may sound like, that may sound like extreme language, the idea of saying, well, it's slave-like, what do you mean by that? Well, it's just like the fact that in our culture, we have slave topics. I mean, for, for example, just to jump off and digress for one moment, we have a presidential election system coming up that has uh, our, our two highest candidates in the office at the, at the, at that position are both a Clinton and a Bush. That's who we're likely going to be voting on, either a Clinton or a Bush, once again. And they're related, ladies and gentlemen. They're in the same bloodline, and they're related to the royal families of Europe, going back to, you know, to going back to antiquities and, and beyond. This is not a coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. But well, this yeah. is cognitive dissonance, because no one really pays attention to that realization. You know, they don't really ex- acknowledge the fact that we're, we're, we're uh, we are, that's a slave issue. You know, the, the slave issue really is hey what kind of flag are you going to have on your facebook profile is it going to be the confederate flag or is it going to be the rainbow flag right <laughs> right well you know and, and what's what's great is when people say well which one are you going to vote for uh i i'm, I'm not going to vote for a slave master in fact i'm going to tear this whole goddamn system down because it's ridiculous um you know the the, the fact that it, it, you know this 
my partner Timothy had a, had a cool meme up on his page where, where it showed uh, it showed some African slaves working on a plantation, and one says, "You know, I'm getting really sick of the master, the slave master here." The other one goes, "If you don't like it, move move to another plantation." The other one says, "Hey, don't worry. In a couple of years, you can vote for a new slave master." And it's like that's what our politics has become: is is what slave master are you going to support? You know, we don't need government, and it does nothing but hold us back. Uh, every great innovation, whether it's the highways and the traffic lights, or or you know space travel, any of the things that have, that that the human race has done, we could have we could have and often do do not not just without government, but in spite of government. How many scientists was was the all the very various European uh, monarchies? murdering because they were trying to explore things like human anatomy. Uh, you know, government does nothing but slows down and hampers progress and uh, and in the meantime enslaves the human race. If you don't think you're enslaved, man, you see red and blue lights behind you, you know exactly what you need to do. You need to pull over or you will be shot. The, we, we are being held captive by our governments and, uh, and I mean, they're in bed and have been in bed with the, the churches, you know, for quite some time. And they all really need to be gone. They need to be wiped, wiped off the face of this earth so we can finally be free. And it, 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 there's no greater time than now for people to realize their full potential from their own, the own power that they have access to from within, from spiritual approaches, whatever they may be. You know, people, I'm not, again, I'm not saying to do one, any one specific thing, but I'm just saying open yourself up to the realization, right, everyone listening, that there was and always has been a secret doctrine, mystery traditions, remnants of a golden age of humanity, universal secrets, too. Probably what the Templar secrets were, you know, or other various uh, organizations and orders that have been attacked and, you know, eventually suppressed in, in, in history because they, they held universal laws of consciousness and principles that were available, hermetic teachings, wisdom traditions that all offered ways of, of, of the, the individual and groups of people, whole mass consciousnesses of people to awaken to uh, the, a knowledge again realization of a truth realization of our real true place and what the universe really is like the cosmos the actual ordered universe around us what it really is like and what laws truly govern it and because people might say well we've, you seem to have digressed going off on this tangent about politics and all well no actually it's completely relevant because as I pointed out the bloodlines the oligarchs are still in control ladies and gentlemen and they've been in control for millennia and along the way they've developed elaborate systems to stifle innovation as you pointed out anyone even today scientists are getting off left and right man you hear about it all the time you know this geneticist died suddenly that guy gets killed this uh, researcher dies and these guys are all related to some like really pertinent topic like this is the only guy that could have like identified this specific strain of anthrax or something you know what i mean and that's yeah. the guy that gets wiped out and and the, these so it's still happening because well, and, or, you know the guy is maybe he, he came up with some innovative treatment that's gonna put uh you know a whole market of the pharmaceutical companies uh, off limits to them and no way they're having it right well and and, and i think you know uh to go ahead and put up put up a flag here and, and let people uh, kind of know what's going on is is you and I are both on a watch list. I mean, because of the things that we teach, because we are trying to empower uh, other people to enlighten and empower themselves, that that uh, that we are targets of our government. 
Now, I have been targeted, absolutely, and, and uh, I would probably venture to guess that you have been as well, that, that uh, yeah, that, that we are absolutely revolutionaries of our time, and the, the government, the government, the church, the, the entire system, this oligarchy, is very concerned with the message that we're giving, which is, take your own power back. You know, become your own god. Stop worshiping these other uh, other gods that have been invented for you. Start to you know start either creating your own gods or see through the whole mire and and start worshiping your own self. Yeah. And and, and acting as such, that's a dangerous message because if you're not going to worship God, why would you worship the government? Yeah, we're we're the message that we're bringing is that you know you're supposed to intuit your own spiritual needs and creatively, artistically create your own religious approach to the sacred in real time in the in in the real in the present reality tunnel, quote unquote, the whatever the which is rooted in our in yours and ours own belief system. And that, you know, we have to, that, that, hey, listen, that's an optimistic utopian outlook that I choose. It's true. It truly is. Because guess what? Optimist finds, finds all kinds of reasons to not lose hope. When, you know, when they're sick, they recover and they get out of their sick beds. While pessimists, they give up. They never recover, you know, and they don't get out of bed. And I personally, I'm an optimist. And I believe that we've been given brains and free will for a reason. You know, we're, we're given these things for a reason. And I personally, as Freighter X, as a, at the helm of the Middle Chamber podcast, when you talk and listen to what I have to say and talk to me, you, you have an opportunity. Anyone has an opportunity because I possess rare and unique knowledge, such as the fact that, you know, the Freemasonic scholars and hermetic practitioners of all times had access to extra biblical text to other materials like the book of Enoch for example and other materials that were outside the the scripture back all the way back to the time of the renaissance again I'm, I'm alluding to like the Templar secrets like the secret of what was really going on in the first century in the fall of Jerusalem and the rise up of the messianic dynasty that had such an impact on the Roman Empire that it caused great changes to all humanity ever since this is this is powerful stuff but at the very core of this once again at the very core we know that there has been a secret doctrine mystery traditions that have been there remnants of a, of a golden age of humanity that goes back I, I'm, I don't know what do you say Eric I figure we're talking a hundred thousand years at least of, of lost human history probably hundreds of thousands right Oh yeah, yeah. You know, looking at the uh, you know what Terence McKenna calls the archaic revival, we're just barely starting to get back to, to to the sh you know we're, we're recovering from the shock of being enslaved, and we're starting to look around and remember and trying to remember the last sane moment that we as a species ever knew. And this was you know in the jungles when we had uh, had just barely started to evolve consciousness. We're partaking in in psilocybin and other hallucinogens, which were broadening our scope, uh, resulting in in orgiastic sexuality, uh, non-ownership relationships, and uh, and unfortunately, you know, with the drying out of the uh, the wetlands that we saw a loss of, of certain plants that we were using shamanically, and uh, you know, we kind of lost that knowledge. You look, you look at the uh, uh, look at Hinduism, you look at the Vedas, you look at the the Avestas, and these are all these are all texts that are that are speaking about this this Amrita and Soma and Hauma, these substances that you would you would partake of, and they would give you the vision of the gods. And then this was lost, and uh, and and really 
you know, once we'd evolved to the point of having perfect binocular vision and uh, had become really the, the perfect predator on this earth, that our, our ascent as a species halted. And, and uh, basically, th those who, who still ha possess the, the, that ape-like instinct to dominate just started dominating, uh, I mean, at a level that any other species in the animal kingdom has, has you know, never, ever before seen. And, uh, and basically, it hasn't stopped since, that, uh, the, that the guy with the biggest club is the one who calls the shots. And uh, the, the, the point we're at right now is extremely unique, specifically in our, our interconnectedness. You and I are, uh, you know, we're, we're across the country from one another. And, you know, the United States is one of the biggest uh, nations in, in the world as far as uh, geography goes. And we're able to have this conversation with hundreds, thousands of people who are listening in and, and partaking in it. This is an amazing power to have. And so with this power of communication, we're finally toppling the system. You know, as far as being a, a, um, an optimist, really it needs to come down to how we, how we live our own personal lives. If, if every one of us were to take up arms against the United States or against whatever country we're, we're enslaved by, we would be destroyed. They have the nukes, they have the planes, they have the jets, they've got the arsenal. We don't. They've taken it away from us. And, uh, and so what we've got is how we govern our own lives. And, and really the big advice I would, I, I would push everybody to do is to find ways to live without Big Brother. Get off of the payroll if, you, you know, if you're on it, if, you're, if in any way you were being supported by the government, you have got to, to distance yourself from that. And then distance yourself sometimes physically. You know, I've 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 gotten myself a, a few acre plot of land out in the middle of absolutely nowhere that I can fortify. And uh, you know, this was this these were the instructions that were given to Crowley in in the uh, Libra of Elegis was uh, you know find yourself an island and fortify it about with weaponry of war. Uh, I will give you the war engine. The war engine, interestingly, was not a machine. It was magic. It was a magical tool to destroy your enemies. And, uh, and, and this, is, this is really what it comes down to is, is that you know, we're not going to be able to take up pieces of metal and fight the government. We are well, going and to guess what? Guess what? Your enemies are employing magic against you already. So it's already <laughs> begun. We're just waking up to the battle that's already underway. It's already started, you know. And 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 this is like, for example, I mentioned before, I'm going to this conference in Austin, Texas, the Back to the Future. Back to the Future. The reason why they're calling it that is they're taking biblical text and apocrypha and other material like that, ancient text, and and trying to look you know, retrospectively, like, for example, in Matthew 24, it says, as in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the son of man. Well, from the Christian perspective, they would all say that's Jesus. You know, the son of God was called the son of man related to the reference in Isaiah, blah, 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 blah. Well, what about if it was actually twilight language, if it was green language and the son of man really meant the son of man, as in the fully actualized humanity? And that the coming of the Son of Man wasn't, in fact, the second coming of Jesus, but was, in fact, the, set, the, the, the first and, and the most important coming of, the, of humanity to its realization. The, the Son of Man being we, us all, those of us who are embracing our, the power we have and are embracing our potential and are fully actualizing ourselves with the, the forces of nature and all the elemental forces of the cosmos that are already 
in play. It's already going on all around. This is the most impressive aspect to all of this that people don't really grasp, I think, when they think in terms of approaching magic. They think they're approaching this, delicately approaching this completely isolated system that's all contained within a little box. And you go over there and you open the box and you start, and I use that analogy myself, unpacking the box. But really what we're doing is we're unpacking the, the goggles to put on to see the magical, the, you know, the magical universe that's going on all around us. Because isn't at the core of all this, right? At the core of all this, Eric, is the idea that what, when, I mean, what my personal experience with all forms like Enochian vision magic and ceremonial magic, Solomonic magic, Goetia, all these different forms of magic. What we come down to is the realization that when we start to work these systems, it, we are not necessarily, what we're doing is we're changing our, the way that we view the universe and reality in order to work this magic you're changing your perception and the foundational beliefs of your awareness at the very core of your awareness the foundational beliefs of what you imagine is possible and even with the Enochian system for example John D and and uh, Edward Kelly they were told directly by the spirits that they worked with that they had to in fact learn how the angels viewed everything the universe before they could be taught or given the answers to their questions and their queries. Before they could access the knowledge and the wisdom that they sought, they had to change how they viewed the universe. And how did they do that? Through this elaborate steampunk-like system that is Enochian vision magic. You know, that is that whole, the sigillum de meth and the holy table and the laman and the ring and all the chanting. It's all this dynamic multi-faceted amazing machine like you mentioned you know the the machine was magic right <laughs> the machine yeah. that was uh, suggested that you'll need to fight crowley needed the machine of war right and of course it, of course remarkably so John D. was also looking to engage in, in using machines of war because he actually mapped out the 91 parts of the earth where all the crossroad demons and angels all resided at every crisscross point on those 91 parts. And he was trying to bring about Britannia, you know, the, the empire of England that would note the sun would never set upon its shore. And of course, it never did, right? Because it was at one point the whole world. But, but as in the days of Noah, you know, so it will be in the coming of man. So right now we have... People are freaking out with uh, the, astro the astro astronomical and cosmological activities are freaking everybody out. And, of course, NASA every other day is throwing weird disinformation and misinformation at everybody and freaking everybody out. And then there's a lot of saber, ra saber rattlers and all kinds of people getting involved in uh, trying to, to drum up hysteria, just like when... 2012 was coming right everybody's all it's end of the world end of the world and and you know i think that we we really need to understand that these these long count calendrical motions that we can gain great things from by placing them centered within our awareness because they give us insights into orientation into the understanding of court the correspondences the correspondences and the and the uh the, the, the coincidences, of course, and this is all real good stuff, of course, but you can't forget that you, you, it's just like the old Zen saying, don't worship the hand that points at the moon, you know, you're, you don't forget that these are models, everything is a model of the true reality, the greater reality, and the long count is, uh, of all calendars, has significance, especially when we weave it into our own 
personal count, our own personal calendar and, and meaningful calendar. And and this is something that my my magic, you know, my approach to magic and to, to life and reality is very much the chaos mage, you know, the, the Austin Osmond Spare idea. Because not only, as, as you know, Eric, I've shown you some of my drawings and stuff, I do a lot of black and white drawings. And this was really key to Spare's magic as well, sigilization and automatic drawing. And this is really manifesting within my own system as well, because it's, it's, it's really a powerful uh, tool, I think, to readjust consciousness once again we're always fine-tuning and adjusting awareness and consciousness however these are these are words we throw around but what we mean by that is our perceptual experience we're fine-tuning it through derangement of the senses whether it be visual audio tactile olfactory you know all these aspects of it are the derangement and the, the the drawing of awareness into more and more unusual states exploring and embracing the unusual and the non-normal what what we not the abnormal what we don't normally engage in in order to gain perspective in order to create abstractions you know for we you you and I have talked a lot about this uh, system of approach that I'm working on uh, the Lux and Tenebris light and darkness system. And I, from, from my perspective, just in the, for the sake of this conversation, talking about it now, I, I, would, I would like to uh, mention that. It's, it's a, what I'm doing is it's a modified approach to both the Enochian, the Enochian, and the Goetic systems of magic. Angels and demons, right? Light and darkness. Thinking in terms of the hermetic axiom, as above, so below, quote-unquote. We've heard it so often. As within, so without. There's the Eastern flair to it. Aspects of the microcosm are also, you know, two aspects of our own or multi-aspects of our own psyche through through and and through this system approach we can make contact with these forces within and without and then abstract specific areas of our own psyche to bring those into order in accordance with our own will and then reintegrate them back into our own psyche the so it's a balancing of the light and darkness the lux and tenebris and in this for me, it all became apparent because in the process of healing my and integrating my own shattered consciousness growing up in America in our social, you know, civic mythology and all the elaborate control and obedience systems that are forced upon us from every direction in every system, you know, and then my own personal family dysfunction, you know, I employed more chaotic magical techniques as I went along, learning more and modifying and innovating and operating under literal definition of magic as causing change in accordance with will, causing change in consciousness in accordance with will. And I used these tools to heal and to gain greater insight into our shared physical and metaphysical reality. And it worked. I asked the powers of the cosmos for new insight into existing magical systems and tools. And I was answered. I realized that we must fuse the two sides of awareness that we must process and reintegrate. And that's where I talk about this enlightened state. So that's why I can approach things that might seem dark, black magic, satanic, and demonic to others. But to me, I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at the core results and the core intentions of the practitioners. 
You know, because we're, we're all involved in an elaborate game of hide-and-seek, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know it. <laughs> we're, trying to fu- we're trying to hide from ourselves and then refine ourselves over and over again. It's very clear to those of us in the know. <laughs> and oh, so, yeah. you know, I've been provided with a template. And, and, and this is what has come from this modification of this, this uh, approach. And one thing to keep in mind, everyone, we're dealing here with in all... Of uh, what we are dealing with is within the normal processes of all of our psyches, of the cosmos in general. It's all in our heads, really, right? But that's because everything's in our heads. All the entire perceptual experience is within our heads. And guess what? It's going on already. Magic, whatever form, left, right, up, down, black, white, pink, yellow, green, it doesn't matter. Magic of all systems is a way of ordering or organizing our thoughts in a specific model, a working system of adjustment. There really is no good or evil on this level, only what works and what does not work, right? Right. Well, you know, and, and there's there's an interesting, you, 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 you're, you, you, you were talking about, you know, basically, we're changing our our perceptions and our perspective, and that's the real magic. And that is the real magic. That's this is this is the key to it all. Is that that as you observe reality different, reality changes to meet your observation. How many times have we, you know, woken up with a a song in our head from nowhere? You know, an hour later, that song comes on the radio as we're headed to work, and then uh, you know we hear it later on, and then somebody mentions that song, and then we realize the lyrics might be telling us something. But we're connected. We're we're manifesting opportunities for ourselves left and right. I mean, if you focus your mind and you observe your world in a specific way, you'll you'll either get the answers that you need, or you'll manifest the change that is desired. And uh, ma- the the system of magic is is really like you said. It's a it's a self traumatizing system. So you, I mean, you're calling into being before your very senses an entity that that I mean, it looks like it's just risen straight from hell. And uh, and you know, my very first evocation was of, of the demonic king Paimon, and uh, his voice was like thunder, and it I mean, it scared it scared the bejesus out of me. And uh, and I had to, like you said, it's, it's hide and seek. I hid from myself, and then I had to go within to find myself in order to call myself out and say, "No, you're not going to start bossing me around. Here's here's what's going to happen," and then and then switch the entire spirit of the uh, of the evocation. But um, that that's traumatic. Every ritual that you do should be traumatic because uh, look, we're, we've all been we've all been told what to accept in this world. We've been told what you know, what which way is up and down. We we're being programmed on a constant basis with symbols, with words, with you know direct teachings, as well as as well as by example. We're being taught limitation in extreme ways, and so to break free from this limitation, we've got to traumatize ourselves. And and now this you know this doesn't necessarily mean going to the the, the degrees that let's say the uh, the Olmecs and the and the uh, Maya would do. You know, bloodletting, etc. Although that might be part of it, uh, in, in whatever way we need to approach it, though, there is that matter of traumatizing yourself, shaking yourself up, and, and then as you kind of, I mean, that man, your your metaphor of hide and seek is so spectacular because it is that 
trauma does push you into yourself, deep into yourself, and then you have to go within to really find out who you are. And that's, that's really the whole process. As you do this, the whole system of, of hide and seek over and over and over again allows you a greater perspective and, and a greater observation of reality without those limitations. And then you start finding, yes, indeed, anything is possible. You push that further and further, and you arrive to the conclusion, if you can manifest anything that you desire, which indeed you can, if you can manifest any amount of money, love, you know, fortune, fame, anything that you want, peace, happiness, whatever it is that you want, you can manifest that through magic. You're going to have to look around at your world at some point and realize, I am God. Absolutely. And you spoke of shamanism and the idea, and I mean, we're, we're both referring to it because at, at the core, it is identical. Magical training, evoking of spiritual forces, engaging in these processes and these systems are often identical to the training of shaman. I mean, the process of initiation for the shaman, and I talked about this in my chapter from the anthology, uh, volume two of the anthology of sorcery from Become a Living God, uh, the process of initiation begins immediately upon notification to that future shaman that he or she has been elected. And this initiatory process involves a gradually worsening state of mental disorder and often illness. That deviant behaviors, even sexual ambiguity, were evidence of the shamanistic vocation. Also included was a sensation of being murdered and dismembered, of having one's organs removed and being reduced to a skeleton. All, all of this being, of course, an internalized experience. But then you move forward to eye of the eye in the triangle i've got this quote from uh eliaphas or no from uh, israel regardi talking about alistair crowley his time working with crowley and he said that the aspirant on the threshold of initiation finds himself assailed by complexes which have corrupted him their externalization excruciating him into such ordeals that he seems both to himself and to others to have turned from a noble upright man to an unutterable scoundrel these are the evidences and events which occur to every aspirant when initiation forces the realization upon him through the activation of the latent contents of his own psyche that all is sorrow this is the, the you know i mean powerful stuff right wow yeah well you know and and, and that's one of the pieces of advice i find myself giving my clients over and over and over is um you know, especially during the ritual, you have to give up your sanity. If you're going to hold on to sanity, man, you're 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 putting fetters on yourself that are going to allow you no movement at all. You know that you you've got to acquiesce to your own insanity, your own ins, your your own madness, and in that moment, you you behold the spirit that that all of reality compresses into a single point and you can see it and hold all of it at the same time. Uh, of course, the, the, big, the big problem is emerging from that state and then going about life in a society because our society makes, you know, you made this point to me uh, months ago, almost a year ago now, that, that, that on a personal uh, phone call conversation, that you said, look, our, our our society has no place. We've made no place for the shaman. That that the shaman in previous societies, you know, has has uh, has been basically elected, set aside, and taught how to channel all of these impulses towards a greater good for themselves and for society. In today's world, those who would be elect shaman 
are instead putting put in uh, in mental hospitals or in, in more more likely than than not in jail. That 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 we imprison people with any kind of ability most of the time for completely nonviolent offenses. That that uh, that these people are seen to be a danger to themselves. Who whoever gets to determine that's a, a joke in the first place. But. Uh, but yeah, that there's that we haven't made a place in our society for shaman to actually become shaman. All of these shamanic uh, tools have been stripped away from us. That that the priestcraft of our day does not ha, has not put their blessing on the sacraments of shamanism, and uh, and so it's completely stripped of, of of its tools and of its place. And we can see what's happening in our society without our shaman. Totally. I mean, the, all and of course, isn't it interesting that right, you know, concurrent with that suppression of that, we have in our culture, the media and even law enforcement and government who exploit the worst manifestations of those same individuals wh who have no context who end up oftentimes that do go the, the let's talk about the worst case scenarios you said most were nonviolent, right but there are the worst case scenarios which i would propose and others have proposed would be the serial killers within our society that these are individuals who went out into the spirit realm and never made it back to the village they never made it back to become to, to take on that role that you alluded to that used to be a part of the community a part of the tribe and the and the clan you know you had the shaman he was the one we sent out to engage the spirit realm to speak to the spirits, to gain the knowledge and understanding, and then to bring it back to the tribe, to be integrated into the tribe so they could be used as uh, however was needed. And this is what is gone now. We, we don't have this yeah. now. We, we've well, lost well, well, now we've got, you know, we've got Richard Ramirez who's, who's going in for his trial and then holds up his hand to take his oath with a with a pentagram and a vertical pentagram drawn on his hand, and and people are more shocked by that than by the murders that he committed. And uh, and he, I mean he's showing very clearly, I could have been your greatest ally, but instead I'm your enemy because you have no place for me. Absolutely, that's 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 exactly what I'm saying, you know. And and so we move forward from that. And the realization that we have is is that once again. We know the truth remains. The truth remains that not only, yes, things are very awry. Things have gone far off track and they're totally out of order and the, the, the powers that shouldn't be, the oligarchs are out there, they're controlling the data, they're controlling everything, and it seems so scary if you want to let it cave in on you and, and make you think that you don't, it limits all your options. But it doesn't. In fact, the most amazing, optimistic, and exciting aspect to all this is we still have access to the knowledge because guess what? They can't corner the market on it they can't take that away from us it's a human birthright a legacy within our consciousness because all of our consciousness spring from the same creation point we all are outpourings of consciousness from the same unitary universal mind which builds it initiates a creative play that involves all these complicated sequences of divisions and fragmentations and differentiations that eventually lead to an infinite number of derived minds, of entities, of consciousness. And that are all endowed, all of those are endowed with separate, specific forms of consciousness.
consciousness, selective self-awareness. And this is what makes up the, the variety of, of all the approaches to reality that we have out there. This is the exciting fact that there are a thousand paths, a million paths, a billion paths up the mountaintop, not just one. And, the, and, and you and I both know that it's easy to get mired in all kinds of limiting and thought-stopping, elaborate obedience programs. There are multitudes. They're legion. They're everywhere you look. But what we bring is the idea that each one of us has, you know, that the charge of life is a big responsibility. Guess what? You're commissioned. Everybody listening right now. You're commissioned as a thinking being to choose to intuit, to intuit, to create your own spiritual approach to reality. People seek certainty to comfort their fears, right? They want easy explanations. They want someone else to explain it all to them and lead them to the right choices. And you know what? That's nice. That's really great. That'd be, that'd be awesome. It would be really a, a great, nice world if that's the way things went. But unfortunately, we, we can point to directions. Way showers, you know, context creators like you and I, we can point and say, hey, look what's worked for us. This is what we've done. But in the end, it really is up to you. We've been, all been provided with brains and free will for a reason, to use them, not let somebody else who may mislead you, by the way, reason for us and choose for us. It's not always easy, but it's always exciting. And you know what? There are many, many different forms of, of manuals, like universal guides. There's religions, there's spiritual approaches, all the for anybody and everybody. They're already made. But in the end of the day, I believe we must write and create our own religious and spiritual approach. That, you know, the seek first the kingdom, that teacher of, righteous, of righteousness admonished everyone. He also said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Guess what? If we're seeking first the kingdom and the kingdom of heaven is within you, Oh, and then we might also reconcile the words of Thales above the oracle of the temple of Delphi, which said, know thyself and you will know all the secrets of the universe, right? I'm paraphrasing. But the bottom line is one more thing. Another great teacher said, the last words of the Buddha said, doubt and find your own light, everybody. And so we come back to, hey, guess what? It turns out there's this whole body of work and approaches to things that falls under the canon of hermetics and occult studies and sciences and magic. And, and you know what? It's been suppressed and been made taboo from the human consciousness, especially European, you know, European and, and uh, North American and South, you know, the Latin and, and Mesoamerica. Everybody's been given this, you know, demonized, villainized <laughs> glasses and goggles to put on when they look at magic, right? But ladies and gentlemen, isn't it interesting that they would tell everyone these are dangerous things to get involved in, and yet everyone remains enslaved <laughs> yeah, exactly. to the same global well, forces. When, when the slave masters are, are, are saying, don't you dare touch this, I mean, you've got to look kind of deeply into what they're talking about, because uh, that, that might be the very thing that can, can bring you freedom. You know, uh, as, as, as to the, uh, the billions of, of paths up the mountain, I mean, I've walked as many of those as I could possibly find, and uh, and what I found is that they're all basically teaching the same thing. They're all teaching the same thing. They're just using different jargon, and uh, but the methods are the same. And so, you know, the ch the challenge that I'd like to lay before everybody out there is to uh, to to try this. 
call on whatever god you want to call on. It does not matter. You could call on 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 the god of the Smurfs just as easily as the god of the Jews, and uh, call on call on whatever god you want. Get yourself into a, a rapture spiritual state where you are just filled with the Holy Spirit or or, or with the you know the Shabda. Or, Whatever you want to call it, you're filled with that that passion that 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 takes your spirit and 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 transcends it beyond this plane. If you pray enough, if you meditate enough, if you you know if you engage yourself spiritually enough, you will hit this state of complete bliss. Once you're there, visualize something that you don't think is possible for you in your life, whether that's extreme wealth or extreme love or or, or peace that is just enduring and, and beyond anything that you've experienced, fame, fortune, whatever you want. Go ahead and, and visualize that as if it's currently taking place. Do this until you feel like it's actually happening, that it's real. And do this over a period, I would say, 12 days. And, some, and within that 12 days, you're going to have evidence that your God has answered you. Now, if you want to take this to the next level, try doing this with somebody else's God, a God that you don't believe in. Works exactly the same. Try this with a God that you make up. Works exactly the same. That uh, that that in the end of the day, it's not these gods that are doing these things for you. You're you know the power of witchcraft is not blessed by the hand of Satan. That it's uh, it's merely your own power stretching out beyond your body to affect this world. And all these all these different names and and uh, like you said, you know, with with Enochian, it's a really fun system because it is so elaborate. But uh, but all those elaborate methods are are just ways of distracting your mind, like a like a subtle hypnosis you're playing on yourself in order to unleash that that inner god within that transcends thought. And I wanted to just say that that point you just made was so awesome. That was like the highlight of this conversation about how try any god because that's really at the core of all this. I mean, think of all the Victorian era occult orders that rose up, the magical orders and occult systems in the late Victorian era, early 20th century, right? All of them with like, even the Masonic and all the other various fraternal orders with quasi-histories, fake pseudo-histories and pseudo-origins and, you know, letters from this ascended master or that one, all made up stuff, right? And yet all those systems work. They had They work really believe all magic is founded in the belief of the magician you are the you are the engine you are the 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 core energy you know the energy cube at the center of it all and yeah the enochian system is really elaborate and it's exciting if you want to go down that road but it's a big commitment it really is to work enochian the way it's laid out is a big commitment but guess what the good news is just looking at it reviewing it reading the material and even saying the things out loud changes your consciousness you literally can gain something just from looking at this stuff because it it changes it does that derangement of the senses that we want we want to deliberately get out of our own way to understand and internalize the things we have to do with the things that we're trying to gain access to we have to get out of our own way you know it, it, it's it's really like that getting out of your own way is how it how, how it should be understood and, and in the sense that we, we it right you, you only have let, let, and let's be clear symbols have power if, if they didn't we wouldn't be using written and spoken language you know okay so Michael Sarion is a genius. Uh, he he he's got a lot of things that I do not agree with at all that I think are pretty out there. But uh, you know I still stand to be corrected by uh, 
by his work as it moves forward. But he he did a, he did a piece. It was a um, uh, I believe it was a book and a video uh, release that was uh, that was called uh, the sac- the the subversive use of sacred symbolism. And he he looks at this. I mean, look at the Mercedes Benz symbol. Look at the uh, I mean. <laughs> You Tesora, you get uh, um, Texaco, Chevron. These are all using symbols that are occult symbols, that that are magical symbols. That we're being bombarded by spirits, by energy, and by symbolic attributions on a, on a I mean, not daily basis, on a minute by minute basis. It's it's impossible to get. As I'm as I'm looking at my computer here, I've got symbols all over this thing that are occult symbols. And they're generating power, and they're transmitting power. Now, rather than just being, uh, you know, caught in the the whirlpool of symbolic powers and and attributions, we can start creating these. You know, I, I was talking to this uh, gentleman, uh, uh, Palm Draconis, the other day, and uh, he he actually suggested that we start doing uh, a group group ritual where across the globe that we all channel our energy into a created sigil. Now, you know, you, you had spoken earlier about sigil creation and how powerful that is. And so if a group of people come together, create a sigil for a specific event or a specific change in, in our world as a whole, and then we started putting these symbols in laundromats, in, uh, you know, pin boards, on, in grocery stores, wherever we can find, you know, putting them on telephone poles, you know, just tacking them up wherever we can so people are seeing these symbols. They'll have no idea what they mean. That doesn't mean they won't be affected by it. And then the global change that we desire comes comes about. The, the exact – these these secrets, like you say, the, the, the secret doctrines that you and I have been, have been looking into, I mean we, we're coming on to something that has been used for millennia against the human race. And we're only now starting to be able to take this and use it for ourselves. I totally agree, and that idea is really exciting because sigils do orient the con- orient the mind. I, with my practice, I, as I've already mentioned, I use a lot of automatic drawing and sigilization as part of how I communicate with the spirits that are trying to communicate with me. And what I would really mean by that is, is how I'm communicating with myself. Everybody, it's the elaborate game of hide and seek we're talking about here again. But it's also how I and the universe are interacting and communicating with each other. If you want to make that distinction. Because once again, if we go back to the idea of a unitary mind, of a one mind idea, there is no distinction. But but, but the whole point of life is that we signed up for this. We got on the ride. We said, I want to take a roller coaster ride. And I want it to be so elaborate and so convincing that I'll forget that I chose to do all this. And that it's really something I'm trying to experience. This whole journey has its own effect and its own result in the journey, not necessarily the destination. And it's so perfectly, you know, worked that we we do forget we forget <laughs> we forget that we signed up for this you know and we're rolling down the the tracks uh, totally in line with what we intended for, to experience but of course there are random chances there are other forces in in effect all around us once again and like you said you can either just sit back and be at the mercy of all the global logos and the symbols and the emblems that are that are coming at you you know or you can get on board with orienting your own consciousness so I 
I, like I said, I draw pictures and then I hang them up and I draw the same sigils that I've received. I draw them over and over again on blank pieces of paper that I'm working with. So I'm constantly reorienting my mind, reorienting everything with my original intent and endeavor. Other people destroy the sigils, the complete opposite of what I, we do, what I'm doing, what I'm talking about doing. Other people create sigils in a magical practice and then destroy them on the crucible right there in the process. And that's part of the potency of their magic. You see, that's how exciting this is, everybody. You can go from any different direction with it. It's like a, a universal electrical current that's going all all around us like a plasma field that we just, all we require is, is whatever device that we can come up with to interact with that. Whatever medium, whatever media, whatever device, whatever substance, whatever combination or composition or however you want to word it or frame it. This is what we do. We are interacting with this. And, and, and unfortunately, there are those that have an agenda that would like to lead us all to a specific direction with that. And that's why things happen all around us to coerce us through fear and insecurity and, and a lot of mythology, a lot of civic mythology, a lot of myths about scarcity and shortage. So you're always thinking there's a limit on everything and you got to pay a lot of money for this stuff. And, and you know, sometimes you do have to pay money for some, th some things that are valuable. The perception of the value is there, though. What is important to each individual? And a lot of the things that you don't have to pay a lot for, like the things that come with insight, like the things that come from actually practicing some form of spiritual system from whatever vantage. This, I mean, yeah, you may have to pay for access if you want to do somebody else's specific system. There are systems available that are presented that help you get started, that if people have uh, invented the wheel, quote-unquote, to get to that place. But isn't that worth it if you're gaining access to your own self-actualization, to realizing your own potential? What 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 amount could be placed on that, you know, really? But well, I, well, I digress. When you we, know, when when we, go ahead. Oh, yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, when, when it comes to making uh... – Making investments in in yourself, be logical. I mean, here's here's the thing: is is for some reason it is not only completely sanctioned, but but the the churches are also given a uh, a tax exemption for threatening money out of people. If you don't pay this, you're going to go to hell. I mean, wow! As a small business owner, I can't even imagine the legal repercussions that I would face if I were to tell my customers that. But uh, but as a church, you're you're completely allowed to to play on people's fear and emotions in the media. That that's all they do. I cannot. I, I don't watch the news. I you know I I just found out today, and this is what the, the 23rd. I just found out about the shooting that happened last week because you know somebody had mentioned it in a in a real time conversation. Because I don't watch the news, and you know what, <laughs> I I hate to be this guy. But I wouldn't have known about it if nobody told me about it. It wouldn't have affected my life at all. And <laughs> right. Oh, I hear you, man. And you know, you mentioned the tax exemption at church. I don't mean to cut you off, but I wanted to address that before you moved on because you and I share the similar the similar history of trying to reconcile with our original church as as apostates. You know, we we rejected our faith, and then we both, as grown ups, you know tried to come back to it and give it another shot, right? I tried yeah. to do that with the Catholic Church. You tried to do it with the Mormon Church. And for me, as with you, I'm sure you can, I'm not, not going to speak for you, but the what the thing that that really sealed the deal for me realizing I uh, was I couldn't really abide by some of the most glaringly deficient stances taken and and hypocritical stances taken by the church was the the 
the the father in the church literally came to the to the pulpit and said out loud to everyone sitting there that if you didn't vote for George W. Bush and weren't in favor of the war in Iraq, then you shouldn't take the communion. Wow! Wow! That's 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 amazing. You know, so so my my. Uh... <laughs> My my stance is, is I think is more or my experience was more I think uh, a, a personal uh, personally egocentric is is that uh, you know I, I went to um, the bishop which is the the head of the congregations of, in the in the LDS church and um, the, they they had a re-entry process where you know I I had become you know the the furthest uh, uh, apostate that that uh, that the church I think had, had ever seen. And uh, and I was coming back to it, and I said, okay, so, you know, I've quit uh, I've quit smoking, I've quit having premarital sex, and and quit having you know uh, occult orgies, and uh, uh, I'm not summoning demons anymore, and and I go through the laundry list, and you know I've straightened myself up, and he goes, well, I'm seeing that your your tithing is a little slim. Now, I, <laughs> I and, and at the point I had actually cut down my hours at work so I could focus more of my time on on my spiritual development. And I told him this, and he goes, "Well, see if you can pick up more hours because really, in order to get your membership back on track, we need to see more of a tithing commitment from you." And I, I thought, "Wow, that's a uh, that's interesting. That's that, that's not what I expected a, a spiritual um, leader to to really be concerned about." But okay. And so, so I go along with it, but you know, I, I read, I read a lot. I read a lot. I read, I read fast, and I, uh, and I read deep. And uh, and so I, I'm reading the the. Uh, uh, it's basically the the collected works of, of Brigham Young, one of the early early prophets of the uh, LDS Church, and he says that the only way that a, a a white woman can be forgiven for for fornicating with a black man is to have her throat slit from ear to ear. And as you know, ear to ear is a Masonic statement. And, Absolutely, uh, and of course, the Mormons uh, co-opted so many Masonic <laughs> ideas and concepts. And, oh and yeah. Symbols. And so I, I read that, and I think you know, uh, there is no way that I can support this as being a a religion uh, of God or a, or a spiritual path of anybody enlightened. And unfortunately, that's what we see. I mean, look at look at the tenets and the practices of every major religion out there. I mean, it's sickening that these aren't these these are not people that I would welcome into my home for dinner, let alone that I would put into my soul and my heart as being my salvation. Yeah, of course, going coming back around to what we know, ladies and gentlemen, Christianity has been compromised since its inception. It's been designed to enslave all to the oligarchs. And a true way has always existed. It's existed as a native shamanistic system, which is that universal human birthright we spoke of and have spoken ent entirely in this. But salvationist doctrine has been designed to enslave all through original sin dogma. And that's why, it, it, no matter what, it's a one-sided approach. It's inherently flawed. And so, does that mean that there wasn't always, and, and still is, at the time, there was wisdom teachings already in place? That there were aesthetics and, I would say, spirit magicians already in place? You know, the remarkable thing is, people don't really consider it from this perspective, but let's kind of delve into this for a minute. Jesus is identified, number one, he identifies himself as the anointed one right outside the shrine of Azazel, and also the shrine of Pan, <laughs> 
uh, the cave at Caesarea Philippi in uh, in Matthew 16. He's this, this is what he's doing, and then he swears the disciples to secrecy. But it's so remarkable that he's right at the foot of Mount Hermon, which is the place which was the shrine of Azazel, the place where the watchers came down and supposedly bred with the human women and gave uh, basically uh, made a pact with humanity. They they agreed to provide knowledge and technology to humanity in exchange for access to human females and according to genesis chapter 6 they made the the giants the monsters and heroes of old in that in that move but that that's crazy because uh it's remarkable to me because he chose that one location which is historically the spot where the watchers came down especially remarkable if everyone considers that all through the gospels jesus commands and rebukes demons and disembodied spirits of the infernal realms and they obey him they obey him. He tells them. So wouldn't it be remarkable? Isn't it interesting to maybe consider that the true way, the true uh, teachings of the one that they based Christianity on, that system that was basically put in play, if you believe Joseph Atwell's work in Caesar's Messiah, was the Flavians, uh, Titus and Vespasian, who right at the fall of the temple grabbed up. You mentioned at the beginning of this conversation how the scripture was a beautifully poetic and interesting work that had all kinds of things to offer, especially the wisdom traditions and the wisdom teachings that are found therein, right? Well, that's no coincidence. There's also a lot of Gnostic and Kabbalistic stuff woven in there, too. That's no coincidence either. You know why? Because not only did Ptolemy, the Greek general after Alexander, uh, engage the 70 scribes to create the Septuagint, which was the books of Moses, uh, and turn it from uh, from Hebrew into Greek. And that was before the time of the fall of the temple in the time of Vespasian. But then Vespasian and Titus grabbed up all the scribes and sequestered them away to a secret little scriptorium, each with their own little centurion armed with a sword or spear against their side saying, now you're going to write down what we say. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and of course, those guys wove in all the Kabbalah, Kabbalistic geometria and, and Gnosticism that they could with, with you know, when the Romans weren't looking or <laughs> maybe. I'm just speculating. But isn't it plausible, right? Oh, yeah. You know, that's the, that's the thing is, is uh, you, you and I, uh, we, we're kind of at a disadvantage where we have to we have to win our customers based on the integrity of our philosophies, not by the edge of a sword. So, so you know, uh, the, the the way that the, the the religions have established themselves at the point of a sword. I mean, that's effective. You can get a lot of people behind you if their only other option is to die. Uh, that's not really the ethical business uh, approach, but it works. It's very effective, especially if you say we're going to kill your family first, and then we're going to kill you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, exactly. That's and that's exactly what what. Uh, I mean, if it, if it were not for violence, there would not be a single religion still still standing with open doors. Uh, but but only through violence, only through violence and the threat of violence, do, are are they allowed to persist? Much like the governments. Yeah, and so you know, at the end of the day, it all comes back around this conversation. We can go further and further in all directions, but we come back to the same core principle, the same core point that we're making here is that, yes, yes, guess what, everybody? All is being controlled. Everything's under control. Everything you know is wrong. Things are not what they seem. Uh, cult forces and occult operators, dark occulted mystics are out there operating behind the shadows, behind the curtains. They're putting stuff in our food. They're putting it in the air. They're putting it in the water. They're putting it on the logos and all the packages and all the, you know, all the media out there. 
And so all the more reason to empower yourself with all the weapons of in this info war, in this disinfo war, in this war of ideas, this war of emotions, this war of anxiety and fear. This this is what's going on. And guess what? We don't have to be afraid because that's the biggest weapon against us. Fear destroys magic, right, Eric? I mean, that kills magic. You can't kill magic quicker than to inject some fear into it, right? Oh, yeah, you know, that, that that's the... <laughs> That that is the invocation of of absolute powerlessness is fear. I mean, when when uh, you know when I'll get a client on the line, uh, you know, in a, in a consultation or or anything like that, who who will say, you know, I want to do this, but I'm afraid. What happens if this? And what happens if that? And what happens? You know, okay. So my my ten year old daughter was doing this just the other day. We were gonna go play in the river and go see if we could catch some frogs. That that sounded like a fun thing to do with our Sunday. And, uh, Absolutely. and so she goes, well, what if I, what do I do if I don't have fun? And I go, well, good God, aren't you setting yourself up for misery? What do I do if I don't, <laughs> I want you to ask yourself, what do I do if this is the best Sunday I ever had in my life? This is once again, your perspective, your observation of reality, determining how your reality looks. And so if you're going into a ritual saying, well, what if this demon does this, or what if this angel says this or that, the other, and you're basing it on fear? Yeah, you're gonna you're you're going to manifest what you're thinking about. Okay, so it's it's like that person who sits there and says, I'm you know I'm not going to smoke anymore, and all they do is tell themselves, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke. All you're thinking about is smoking. I mean, regardless Absolutely. of Absolutely. It's re- like the alcoholic sitting in the AA meeting uh, swapping war stories about drinking. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. What are you focusing your mind on and uh, and that that's going to determine what it what you do. You know, see here's the thing is 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 magic takes effect on all levels in all planes. And so when you put something new into effect astrally or mentally that that you need a follow that up with with the physical being the intellectual being all of yourself emotional has to be in on the game you can't just perform this this ritual you know it's, the, the the ritual is not just saying a couple weird sounding words in the right way that that it's pushing all of yourself towards one unified goal and uh and so if you can do that if you can push yourself towards a positive goal and by positive i don't necessarily mean you know uh uh uh, goody two shoes positive, but that rather than saying I don't want to smoke anymore, that you can phrase that as I want to be healthier and I want to breathe better, and uh, and that way you've turned the negative into a positive, and now you can approach it and actually get success. But all of your being has to be in on the game. Uh, you know, it can't just be that you're saying the right words and going through the motions. But you know, fear. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I. I I was perplexed by this, honestly, until you and I started talking, and, and you kind of pointed out some of the things to me that that are going on. Where I, I would I would watch the news and I would say, "Good God, this planet is in some serious trouble. Look at this. I mean, there's nothing but but rape and murder that's going on in our world because that's all the news shows us. That's all that we have around us is fear. We're about to run out of water. We're about to run out of oil. We're we're not going to have any air to breathe here soon, and uh, I mean, you start buying into it, and you're just in a full-on panic mode. That, you know, in, in doing a, a you're ripe for harvest at that point, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, what what I found in, in I, I I like to traumatize myself in every way possible, and so uh, I'll go do like mountain climbing and and rappelling, and uh, rappelling is a hard one for me. It's one that I love, 
but I'm naturally I'm terrified of heights. Uh, I, I I start as soon as my weight is on the rope and I'm I'm completely horizontal. Um, I, I do this thing where I just freeze up, and that's what, that's what panic does to you. Panic makes you freeze. You know, you, you've got the flight and, uh, fight and flight response, and that's fine and dandy, but, but there's a deeper level where you have no other option than to freeze. That's the point that, that, that most of the world is at right now in response to the media and, and to, you know, the media, religion, and, and government is all, is all shoving enough fear down our throats that all we can do is freeze and, and be completely immobilized by our own fear. The only way to move out of that is to breathe and to move and not not let yourself become you know become uh, that intensely fearful and and that panicky that you can't move. You've got to push your way through it, and and really the the exact opposite of fear and panic is peace. And so you're just bringing yourself into that state of peace and then moving forward in peace. Once you, and this is a funny thing for a black magician to say, but peace is the vibration we all need to be focusing on. But that's peace. <laughs> but that's that's peace within our own selves, within our own lives, and uh, um, you know. Whether or not we can be peaceful, I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very peaceful, but I'm also very mouthy when I get pulled over uh, because I don't, I don't appreciate my slave owners, and uh, and, <laughs> and so you can you can protest peacefully, but uh, like I said, uh, uh, man, I've, I, to, to to be completely frank with you, I've I've put curses on people that have made their hearts stop beating. I I mean, I've I, in front of me, I've had a, a girl whose windpipe just completely collapsed on her. She fell to her knees, and uh, and that kind of stuff. That's like wow, that's that's amazing power. That's also very adolescent. I, I mean, I was an adolescent in, in a good deal of those instances. But what I've kind of come to embrace beyond all of that is the peace that can come through your own empowerment and, and and not power over other people but power over yourself power over your own circumstances that i know i know no matter what happens i'm going to be just fine because i am armed with the very powers that were used to create this entire existence and that can extinguish it within a second that those powers are my allies and all i have to do is focus and call them and uh, and and that brings me an incredible amount of peace and it also brings me an incredible amount of prosperity. And of course, once again, you've proven that life is really, at its core, a series of realizations. You come to realizations and you gain power and understanding through those realizations. And uh, EA Coetting, I could talk to you forever uh, from becomealivinggod.com. Uh, I... I we um, unfortunately we both have uh, all kinds of other things to do as well as our conversations I'm sure and this has been an exciting journey for me I want to say to you that I am still incredibly honored uh, that you would include me in the anthology of sorcery volume two and I would gladly participate and contribute to the next volume uh i'm sure you've probably sold out by them uh, on them by now right you know what we have not yet what well, we have exceeded uh, you know la last year when we put out the first anthology i mean it was uh it was bewildering how fast they sold out and so we did get a few extra copies not that many um you know we've uh 
We've we've got a handful left. We sold out most of them. We do have a handful. All of the leather uh, special deluxe editions are sold. We do still have some of the cloth editions available. Uh, I mean, really, those are just beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. I have uh, as a author contributor, I was given a complimentary cloth copy, and it is, believe me, it is completely stunning in and of itself with the box set and the little grim guard bag i mean it's just really cool i, I really yeah. i really like your style over there <laughs> thank you yeah. it's really I'm, I'm i and of course i've learned a lot reviewing the other contributors within i i, I think it's uh, exciting so i'm sorry i cut you off there Keep going. oh yeah yeah no you know and the, and the, the presentation is part of it where Timothy and I and everybody, I mean, and, and at this point, as you, you know, we've got we've got a team together that that are working uh, together at Become a Living God, and uh, we all understand, and it's a requirement to even do business with us that you understand that these all, all every item, every object, every service that we that we provide is a magical tool and it needs to be treated as such. And so that's why we've got the grimoire guards that we put these in. They're black velvet bags that, that protect the, the item, not only physically, but magically and spiritually as well. This is the, you know, this is why we hold sacred everything that we do because these are magical tools. And so, yeah, absolutely. But once you, you know, once you open up the, uh, the, the box set, you open up the grimoire guard, you get that, that tome out you can feel the power of it, but then you can actually start seeing the power of it by the, the articles that are there, the artwork that's there. It, it, it is it is an amazing piece that I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just blown away by by what we collectively have been able to do because it's it's really an amazing piece. So, yeah, we do have a few a few of those left. The Anthology of Sorcery, Volume 2. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to check it out, you can go to becomealivinggod.com slash anthology, and it's right there. Uh, you know, we, we've... Like I said, we've only got a handful left, so so I would I would suggest getting on you know getting on this acting right away to get a copy, or or you just you know, unfortunately might not be able to get one. We we try to be as as solid to our word as possible, and so you know when we have a limited supply, that's what we have, and that's what we're going to sell. And once those are gone, they're gone. Um, and so yeah, you definitely have to act on act on that now. And then we, we do plan on just continuing to do the anthology of sorcery as long as people continue to want it. And uh, it, I think it's important. It's an important work because it, it's not just you know Ea Coetting's ego that you're you, that that is you know being presented to you. This is a. Uh, and once again, the sages and seers of our time that are giving you their prophecies and their revelations that that are drawn from their own personal contact with the spiritual. Absolutely, and that again, the the whole idea, the many the many contributors to these anthologies. Again, the I'll remind everyone the way I view it is the guiding principle of this collection is a cavalier attitude towards morality, towards the flaunting of convention, the normalcy of convention, which limits, and this is more of in a spirit of anarchy, defying the norms of hierarchy, and and, and a commentary towards that control that's already gone on, especially in occult and magical systems, and uh, incremental disbursement of knowledge through master teacher, guru, student uh, dynamics, which don't are are 
impeding the process. And we're out of time. Humanity goes through the ebb and flow, right? It goes through the ebb and flow of knowledge. Sometimes it's out there for everybody. Other times it contracts and it's sequestered away in the dark ages and the other times of humanity's development collectively. But we're at a point now where it's expanded to all comers, welcome of all comers, regardless of all the normal gender or age or hierarchical qualifications that normally stand in the way as gatekeepers to people who feel the draw within, right? And so that's why you're, you have a, a public website that's available to anyone to come and find what might work for them there or find insight into other things. But it, that's the power that we still possess. And what's exciting about the box set, I just wanted to throw this in because we were talking about the description of the, the bag and everything is I like it because it's, you know, it's monochromatic alchemical. It's got like black, white, red, and it has... It's using the powerful tool that media has always used. It's it's using that tool, though, and guiding people towards self-actualization. They're not being guided to bondage. They're not being guided to slavery. They're being guided to freedom. And it says right on the box, you know, that you gain these things from this. And, and, and this is... I, I think that's really exciting. So uh, I want to, uh, again, thank you for letting me be involved and, and to direct everyone to your website and also to my website, uh, themiddlechamber.com. And if anybody's in the Austin area who's listening to this podcast, before uh, J- July 30th, if you want to catch myself and my, my wife and co-host, co-conspirator and editor of my work, Materex, she's going to be with me in Austin uh, July 30th to uh, August 1st for the Become a Living God conference, where my talk is going to be on the next Nephilim, the ghosts of the Nephilim, the Masonic connections to the Nephilim, and especially the, uh, the connections of cryptic m- masonry to uh, Enochian or, or the Book of Enoch tradition. So it's going to yeah. be really exciting. Let, let, let me add a correction there because I know I'm going to have a million emails if I do not say this. It's not the Become a Living God convention. Did I just say that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, see? I'm getting all excited trying to get it all in. It is, in fact, the Back to the Future conference, okay, not good. to become a living God. Oh, no. man. I was going to say, you, you, you just barely... That would be cool, though. We're going to do that. See, I appreciate oh, it. I just actually channeled the future, which will be the Become a Living God conference of the future, right? Oh, we are. I mean, we, you look, you know, I've, I've gone to uh, a million different book conferences and esoteric conferences, and I found every single one of them lacking. And so, uh, you know, same same reason when I started writing books, it was it was because nothing good was out there. And so, uh, you know, I've I've kind of learned that if you want to do something right, you've got to do it yourself. So yeah, absolutely, we're going to be doing uh, absolutely going to be doing a conference. We're going to be doing retreats. Uh, every- you've got such a. a- you know, a powerful group of people just in the contributors to the anthologies and then your own group of, uh, of staff that you have right there on become a living for people to get consultations from and services, rituals, other things. That's, that's really cool. You have all that. So, wow. I mean, you could totally be a traveling magical show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, absolutely. And I'd be glad to help out if I, if it worked out, you know? And so for, just to make that correction really clear, it's people who want to check out the Back to the Future Con. It's at the letters bttfc.com, backtothefutureconference.com, and uh, they can check out. And uh, and when I mentioned my website, middlechambermedia.com, you can check out an interview I did through the links that are there with one of the contributors to Become a Living God's anthology of sorcery, Andrea Vitimus, who wrote an amazing chapter on Sorath, uh, the solar deity, uh, the solar spirit, who's often 
compared to the Antichrist and the uh, the spirit energy of the Antichrist. Really powerful interview I had with him. I was really excited to be able to do that and and you know be a part of this uh, with with uh, Andrea, be a part of the whole. Uh, the, the anthology because he's he's just amazing yeah. <laughs> i mean he's oh, yeah. amazing guy. well that's, and that's that's one of the beautiful things that 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 become living god brings is uh it's not it's not a bunch of uh christians sitting around speculating these are magical practitioners who who get their feet wet and their hands bloody and uh and learn, <laughs> learn this you know and, and andrea vitamus is is right up there at the top of my list and you know that's that's the thing is when i when i send out invitations for the uh, anthology of sorcery um i I, I send these invitations to people that I that I know have the goods and uh, and so you know Andrea was was definitely on that list. His his Sorath ritual, by the way, that you'll be able to read about in the Anthology of Sorcery Volume Two. Uh, I, I actually utilized that at uh, Burning Man. I went to Burning Man last year, and uh, I figured since I'm going to be in the middle of the desert and uh, it's going to be hot and sunny. I might as well uh, do something that's a, a solar ritual. I took his Sorath ritual that he talks about in the anthology, and I did that over the over an eight-day period, uh, every day going out and and uh, really worshiping the sun and calling it down into me, and uh, it changed my life for good and for bad. I mean, it it, it traumatized me. It did, it, and. It, Physically as well as on on every level, but uh, but you know through through all that trauma through you know once you've hidden then you can start to seek and uh, and so you know that I love it you're still employing that, that oh knowledge. man that's great I gotta tell you I'm I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna straight up gonna steal that from you <laughs> okay well you have my permission, so it's not theft I, I, I bequeath it to you oh awesome, awesome. <laughs> so yeah well again thanks a lot for your time i know you're a super busy guy you've got so much going on and i know for you it is uh it's a mission it's a vocation you are called to what you do you'll be happy to know that i had a couple walkers from the mormon church show up to my door a couple weeks ago my uh, did i tell you about that Yes. Yes. Uh, hello. Oh, hello. I lost you. Hello. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. Uh, walker. Walkers. Now that's funny because you know. Uh, um... You know, like the kids that go out from the church. That oh, not with... not zombies. Okay. All right. <laughs> you thought I meant Walking Dead Walker? Everybody thinks that. Yeah. A couple of walkers showed up. I had to put them down. I used a machete. <laughs> no, I mean uh, these are what I call the walkers, the kids that are sent from the church. You know, they sent out to walk around and and. And make uh, contact with folks and represent the Church of Latter-day Saints. Mm. And they give out the little pamphlets about the God's plan for us all and, you know, all the different kingdoms and everything. And I, and I, I was really, I, I read the little pamphlet, too, and I, I was interested by, intrigued by several things in there. But that's all digression. The point I wanted to make to you was I sent them on their way with a copy of my DVD and some of my <laughs> handouts <laughs> for them to read when they left. I gave them my Secret War on Human Consciousness DVD and a couple of flyers with links to other things you know and boy they spent about an hour sitting with me just like head and hands kind of <laughs> blown away by what i was bringing to them i mean they had no idea about all the uh, occult roots of joseph smith you know oh, the yeah. fact that he had the sign the sigil of jupiter in his pocket when he was killed by the you know uh, in the carthage courthouse or yeah. that you know he was a seer that he used a smooth rock to soothsay and divine find lost things and you know he was totally his family were all involved in the solomonic magic <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah that the uh the the he had the talisman of, of Jupiter that says 
Confirma o Deus Potentissimus, grant me, O God, all power, written on it with the uh, the table of, of Jupiter that grants uh, it grants the wearer control over the minds and hearts of others. I mean, this is a, this is a man who knew what he was doing, and he's he was very successful. I mean, look at the empire that he was able to build. Um, he's crowned king of uh, king of the kingdom of God of heaven, right? I mean, sure. <laughs> sure he was. You know, that's, yeah. and that, and that's that's the thing. If 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 using those same methods, we're able to create the governments and the religions we see around us. What could they be? What what could we do if we started just focusing these in the direction of liberty? You know, that's and that's the great and exciting path that we're on is to consider such things as this. And again, I want to thank you, EA Coetting from BecomeALivingGod.com, for joining me here uh, in this, this amazing little conversation we had. I, it's really exciting. I can't wait to hear the playback. <laughs> no, thank, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, great. Well, uh, I'll look forward to future conversations and collaborations with you. And uh, please feel free to contact me if you ever want to promote anything else you're doing in the near future. I would love to help to get the word out. Absolutely. Likewise to you. I mean, this is uh, I mean, our paths are, are linked at this point. So uh, we'll, be, we'll be seeing a lot of intertwining, I'm sure. Farewell.